and welcome to the Guide to Getting Your First Job Abroad with me, Sally Fletcher. This is a podcast designed to help those who want to combine building a meaningful career with seeing the world. We discuss things like routes to careers abroad, jobs that pay you to travel, how to nail a Skype interview, digital nomads, visas and well-being as an expat. Each week we cover a different factor that you'll need to consider when thinking about working in another country for the first time. We'll also speak directly to someone who's made the move and uncover their tips, tricks, and what they wish they'd done differently. So we're going to start at the beginning this week, and we'll be discussing the simple but crucial topic of where to go. So how do you actually decide on where you want to live and work abroad? So this is a really huge decision and it can often be just so overwhelming when you're thinking about where would you like your next home to be. But we're going to look at breaking that down into a two-step process. We're going to look at creating a wish list for your next home and how you can rate cities according to your needs. We're also going to look at some of the top expat country and city lists and what they actually mean. So contrary to the the phrase the world's your oyster I think that world's not actually your oyster so of course you can go anywhere um, but there are certain places it's just going to be easier to get a fulfilling career and a visa um, when you're looking to to move abroad but within that there are just so many choices and that can often risk paralyzing your decision before you've even started So what we're looking, as I said, we're looking at taking this huge nebulous decision and breaking that down into a strategy. And what we have here is is a two-step strategy to decide where you should next live and work abroad. So the first step is for you guys to form a wish list of for your next home. So this is, I think, always quite hard to do to examine yourself if you're not really a mindfulness expert. But have a think and just start jotting down some things that you think your next home should encapsulate. So when I was doing it, I had um, things on my list were things like English speaking countries. So I didn't speak any languages. Could I be understood? Safety. Can I let a single woman live without harassment? Job market in my field. I'm a conference producer. So I wanted to see there were conference production jobs. Short haul flight options. So I really wanted to be able to travel on my weekend while living abroad. Um, so, you know, if if you're going to Sydney, it's such a vibrant expat city, but you're going to find yourself traveling, what, six hours to get to the closest country in New Zealand. Whereas if you go to Singapore, Thailand's maybe an hour and a half, Malaysia's an hour, Bali's three hours. Um, so it's a really good jumping off point to explore Southeast Asia. Other categories I had was, uh, how easily can I get home? Do I need a visa to work there? That's really important. Um, Is there an expat community that was important to me? And also, can I integrate with the local people? So I'm not just going there to meet other English people. I wanted to meet people from different cultures and different countries. So have a look and and jot down what you think is important to you. Um, So, you know, put whatever you want in your list as your own. Make it as random as you like, but definitely put in visa and safety, um, in my opinion. What we're really looking to do, I suppose, with this is establish your risk profile So there's a big difference between a traditional expat location like Sydney, Singapore, Hong Kong, maybe Toronto, um, and a frontier market. So a established expat location, they've got things like 
established expat networks, um, companies are used to foreign applicants. There are things that you can do um, here to make your transition a little bit more comfortable. But it might not be quite as exciting as a frontier market. And I'm massively generalizing here, but just to give you an idea. A frontier market, so somewhere less traveled, um, where they people don't often kind of talk about working abroad. Maybe that's not as saturated, that's cheaper, more job openings, um, but no established network. So you're going to be kind of finding your own way a little bit here. Um, so, you know, there's no wrong answer whether you want to go for the road well-traveled, the road less traveled. Um, it's just up to you and, and what your comfort zone is. So step two. So once you've got this wish list, you can move on to step two. Um, and this is a really a, a two-pronged step, if I can say that. Um, it depends on whether you've got a city or country in mind, really. So what we want to do is create a short list of cities and rate them from one to 10 according to your wish list. So one being pretty crap and 10 being a perfect match. So if you've got some general ideas of places or countries that you um, are thinking about that you've always dreamed of living, then you've got a head start. Or if, for example, you're moving with your company, a company you already work for, and they've got a list of offices, then you've you've got kind of a ready-made selection. Um, but if you're kind of really open-minded and, and don't know quite where you want to live. Um, we're going to look later on in the episode about some some top country and city expat lists um, that people like Internations and HSBC produce. Um, so hopefully they'll provide a little bit of inspiration for you. Um, so once you've got your list um, of places that you might want to live and work abroad, and I usually start with maybe like four or five um, different cities or countries, you can start the research and you can give your list, um, sorry, your, you can give your locations a score of one to 10. Um, so most of these things that I put on my list are pretty easy to find out. So once you start Googling, you can see if somewhere's an English speaking country, you can see if there's a job market in your field by just looking on LinkedIn and Monster. Uh, short floor, short floor, short haul flight options <laughs> um, are easy to find out. If you look on Skyscanner, you can see how um, far it is to travel to and from your location or even to go home um, and visas as well. You can you can find out. Um, we're going to do a episode on visas later on um, in the series. So um, check that out. But you can do a little bit of research and find out if you need a visa to work there. Um, some things might be a little harder to uncover. So if they're an expat community or how easily can I integrate with local people? Um, but, you know, you do a little bit of research and try your best to assign a number to each one of these, these cities and places. So in order to demonstrate this exercise a little bit better, I invited my brother Harry onto the podcast to share with us his list. Um, and Harry's really what's the word? He's uh, the buyer, the perfect buyer persona. Um, so Harry is in his last year at university um, in Edinburgh. He's thinking about living and working abroad, uh, but he hasn't really got a place in mind. He's got a few places that, you know, he's been on holiday um, and he's kind of interested in, but no solid plan of where to go. So we're going to have a look um, and see what we can do with this exercise for Harry. Great. So welcome to the podcast, Harry. Thank you very much, hey. So tell us why you're interested in working abroad. 
So I'm coming to the end of my uh, undergraduate degree now in Scotland, and I'm ready for new adventures and just to get into warmer climes and um, yeah, explore explore a new a new place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, I'm a big believer in um, doing things at the right time in your life and in your twenties. Um, early 30s when you've got no responsibility or very little. Um, it's a really, really good time to work abroad and, and um, build your career up at the same time. Um, so yeah, for the exercise, we did um, ask you to put together your wish list. So you just want to take us through that? That's right. Yeah. So uh, I asked for a few things. I asked for a uh, really vibrant and welcoming expat community. So I have somewhere to, to fit right in. Um, I asked for an English speaking country just because job opportunities, I think it's going to be, um, much, much easier for me to get a job if it's English. Uh, I'm looking for job opportunities in my specific field of global health. Um, I am looking for public transport that's world-class, easy to use, uh, and affordable and also good walkability. So I don't have to drive anywhere or, yeah. uh, take, take a train to get to, yeah, to get groceries, you know? Um, and then I also asked for good disposable income. Um, yes. so there's, there's my wish list. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go through and have a look and assign each of those points. Um, so what countries were you considering? So I know you had a kind of a little bit of a head start because you were, had a few countries in mind that you were interested in. Um, tell us a little bit about those and you know, why, why they interested you. So these are all places I've visited uh, yeah. in the past. Uh, Singapore is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderfully cultural uh, kind of expat heaven um, <laughs> with, with a lot of opportunities and, and a really good lifestyle. Um, Berlin is an amazing cultural capital and uh, it, it's beautiful. It's really good fun and uh, uh, it has, you know, fantastic That's easy to nightlife. get to as well. Yeah, from home as well. See, this is important. Yeah, this yeah. Is, I mustn't forget that. That, that's, that is really important. And then yeah. uh, New York City, which uh, is so much fun, so beautiful and interesting. And um, I'm sure mom and dad will come to see you in New York as well. well Don't worry. <laughs> well, um, you know, there are budget airlines flying there, so it's not, it's not that far away. And also it has, um, you know, it's good opportunities to travel in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so for the example, I took... Um, I took some of the categories and um, off your wish list and did some research on how each city measured up. Um, so I missed out English speaking and expat community and walkability because all of your choices, Singapore, Berlin and New York, all have like really, really good. They're all English speaking. Um, they all have a great expat community and they're all um, easily walkable. Um, so I just took the other ones um, to give us uh, give us an idea. Um, so visas was the first one on the list. Um, so the US, we that was kind of the lowest score that we got, and that just gave a three. Um, because although when you you can see this when you Google and also when you look at the the embassy website, that opportunities for work experience and internships are really plentiful in the US. Um, but expats and foreign workers find it really hard to secure a graduate job. Um, so you're basically expected to have the right to work before you even apply for any advertised positions in the US because um, they're going to have to prove that a US person couldn't do the job and that's why they need to employ you. And there's a really complicated and highly restricted visa process. One of the only ways to work there or, you know, one of the only ways that I know anyone that's, that's moved and worked in the US is by working for an international company in the home country um, and then moving abroad within the company. 
Um, so yeah, have a um, that might be the option if that's what you're thinking about. There's a couple of other schemes, um, the Mountbatten scheme, for example, and we're going to talk about that in a future podcast. Singapore, um, this got a six out of 10 for visas. Um, it's becoming a bit more restrictive. It used to be really easy, um, but now you need a job that pays 3,600 Singapore dollars per month. Um, that's uh, 2,000 pounds basically a month or um, uh, 2,400 euros. So basically, you know, if you find two, two times 12 is 24, isn't it? Yeah. So you're basically looking for a job that pays you um, 24,000 pounds a year if you want to get an employment pass, which is of course not impossible. Um, but you know, something to bear in mind. Berlin right now, I mean, it would have been 10 um, out of 10, like three days ago, but we're recording this on like the 3rd of Feb. Um, so just after Brexit. So it's a little bit unclear at the moment or a lot unclear what that's going to mean for visas going forward. So I've put that, um, I've put that down to seven um, for Harry. What about uh, job opportunities, Harry? What did you put for those? Right, yeah. So uh, I started off with Berlin. And again, as you say, uncertainty, it's it's quite unclear at the moment. But in terms of corporate positions and uh, research positions, it's good. I put a seven. Um, Then for Singapore, again, it's like really, really good corporate opportunities. um, And... um, yeah, I, I believe it's it's going to be it's a global hub now. It's gonna it, it's from from my field is going to grow uh, in the future. So I gave mm. it eight, uh, and then again for New York, um, lots of more humanitarian opportunities, non governmental organizations. Uh, as you said, a lot more internships than actual jobs, um, and a lot of them are not necessarily paid. But, yeah. Um, for, for, for a wealth of opportunities, it's a seven. Yeah. And what about public transport? Well, um, Singapore got the best. I gave it a nine. And it's because yeah, there it is are really good. Yeah, so many stations, so efficient. Everything's integrated. You can't drink water on the, on the train, though. Did you know that? that is, that's an interesting. You can't even uh, have a sip back. of water. Like I was drinking a sip of water on the platform and I got told off. Okay. Well, maybe you look suspicious. Well, then, yeah, obviously. Um, Berlin, okay. <laughs> Berlin, I gave an eight because yeah. uh, it's it, again, it's got loads of stations. It's very easy to get places. It's quite cheap, but yeah. uh, it doesn't have necessarily the same the same efficiency and frequency as in Singapore. Yeah. And then New York scored a little worse. Uh, I gave it a six because from what I've read on Reddit and online and TripAdvisor, people. Uh, find it a little bit sometimes uh, intimidating to use because either it's really busy, it's quite, uh, it's not necessarily as clean as Singapore or Berlin's systems. Um, and yes, that, yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. So it's called a little. A we little, know what uh, you mean. Well, we know. I'm not going to say it. So diplomatic. <laughs> um, cool. So the other two categories, warm weather and disposable income. So warm weather, I mean, I had to give Singapore a 10. Um, it is always warm. It's warm every day. Every day of the year. Berlin got a six. It's got awesome summers and you can go to the beer garden and swim in the lakes. It's super nice. Um, But it's really cold in the winter, like five, minus five, kind of that kind of temperature. Um, And New York, again, they have really nice summer, um, but it's freezing in the winter. Like I think they go down like even lower, like minus 10. Um, So yeah, it's, it's super cold. Disposable income. Now that's quite hard to quantify. Um, because it really depends on your job and also your rent, of course. 
Um, so I had a go, I had a go at rating that. And I basically used a mixture of the intonation survey that we discussed earlier, the HSBC survey, um, and a website called Expatistan. Ex- Expatistan, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so it basically helps compare the cost of living. Um, you can enter two cities and you can compare how expensive they are against one another, um, which is really, really good. And you can see a breakdown of things like, you know, how much a beer costs, how much um, the average rent is, um, how much the subway costs and so on. Um, so I saw that New York is 77% more expensive than Berlin and 31% more expensive than Singapore. Um, so definitely the place where you really, really want to earn um, a lot of money um, if you're going to work there. So yeah, the scores, so I've combined those and also using my own experience um, and gave Berlin a score of six, Singapore a score of seven and New York a score of three. So we have just totted up the scores as well. So it's interesting. So um, I'll go worst to best to add some suspense. New York was the lowest and that just got 24 points. Um, followed by Berlin at 34 points and topped by Singapore at 41. Um, so yeah, a little bit of clarity to the situation. What do you think? Well, there really are differences, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be, to be quite that diverse, but uh, there you go. Yeah, I think the idea of this is just to kind of put something that's quite general and quite wishy-washy in our mind, um, just on paper, and give it a score and, and give it a strategy because... You know, if you just have some places in mind and you don't really think about it, it can really risk paralyzing your efforts before you've even started. So, well, yeah, just saying I'm going to move abroad. You know, if you think of one country, there's so much chaos and yeah, there's, there's so many factors to consider that I think it's good like this to, to have focus on a few. Yeah. And, and quantified it. Very, cool. yeah, very useful. So thanks for joining us, Harry. I hope you will Thank join you. us again and talk about when you have your first job abroad. Oh my goodness. Fingers crossed, everyone. (laughs) Okay, thanks. So Harry had a bit of a head start because he knew where he fancied going. Um, But if you haven't got any idea of where you want to go, then there's a few surveys that are quite good to have a look at. Um, HSBC has a really cool list that it updates every two years called the Expat Explorer Survey. So they look at Lots of different topics, including quality of life, physical and mental well-being, ease of settling in, political stability, income, career progression, and so on, and rank countries around the world out of those categories. So they had in their top 10, Switzerland, Singapore, Canada, Spain, and New Zealand, that's the top five, and then Australia, Turkey, Germany, the UAE, and Vietnam. So Switzerland's never somewhere that I'd have thought of living, but apparently it's featured in the top 10 since 2011 in this this HSBC survey. And they do survey quite a lot of people. I think they've got 20,000 expats that take part in the survey um, every couple of years. So for Switzerland, 82% of people um, of expats said they had seen an improvement in their quality of life compared to their home country, low levels of pollution, gorgeous scenery, which I can totally believe, low crime rates and safe streets for, um, they rated for those reasons. Singapore was second place, so that's where I took my first uh, working abroad trip. And that was the best destination in the world for expats with children. It also rated really high for quality of life, for disposable income and political stability. Um, Yeah, you do have a lot more money there because you don't pay as much tax, um, which is always nice. 
Um, but it rated 30th in terms of work-life balance, which I remember people working really, really late nights um, in Singapore. So something to bear in mind. Canada was third place, so expats really liked the increased quality of life and lower cost of living. Lots more disposable income and reduced expenses. And of course, Meghan and Harry are there now. <laughs> Make of that what you will. So Intonations, that's um, a company that supports expats. They all have lots of expat meetups and networks around the world and lots of useful information on their website. And they did a similar survey. They looked at similar things, so quality of life, ease of settling in, personal finance, working abroad and family life. And their list is quite interesting that it's quite different. So I think it just goes to show that there's so many options for everyone. But they rated Taiwan, Vietnam, Portugal, Mexico, Spain as their top five, followed by Singapore, Bahrain, Ecuador, Malaysia, and Chechnya. Um, So Vietnam, Spain, and Singapore were the only three places that were on both surveys rated in the top 10. Um, So just, yeah, quite interesting to to note that. So in the Indonesian survey, Taiwan was ranked in the top five for the last three years. Um, So I do know someone that's lived in Taiwan and they enjoyed it. Um, the survey says it offers great quality of life, favorable personal finance, and an impressive, work, impressive working life. Vietnam also did really well in the survey, um, and it ranks really high for finance. So your money goes a long way. Um, it ranked first in the survey for job prospects and career satisfaction, but didn't really rank very well for health and well-being. So people talked a lot about the pollution, traffic, and, and bad public transport. And third in the Indonesian survey was Portugal. So the benefits here were more personal. So people said it was really good for feeling at home and third for friendliness out of all the countries. But expats weren't so happy with the career prospects. So um, everywhere's got its pluses and minuses. That's what we're saying. So in both surveys, in both HSBC and Intonations, you can look at the ranking according to what's most important to you, which is really useful. So you can look at which countries mark best for career progression, which countries mark best for health and well-being. Um, Go and have a look. But something to watch, definitely don't take these surveys as gospel. Um, So they did really have a good data pool, both of them. A lot of people responded to the surveys, but they're not necessarily the same profile as people as you. Um, So they definitely had a lot of serial expats, people that have been an expat for a long time, um, lived in lots of different places. I couldn't tell about the age. Um, Intonation said the average age of the survey was 44, but I couldn't tell about HSBC. Um, But yeah, I mean, this this podcast is a guide to getting your first job abroad. Um, So it might not be exactly related to to you, um, but it's really good for inspiration. Before we move on from the list, I also wanted to mention another resource that I thought was cool, um, and that's Nomad List. So Nomad List is is for digital nomads. Um, Digital nomads, if you don't know, are people that use the internet to work from wherever they are in the world. So from the beach on your laptop, (laughs) perhaps. Um, So Nomad List is a crowdsourced uh, website. It's got some free information, also subscription. And the reason I thought it was interesting is because they have loads of filters that the traditional surveys don't have. So things like internet speed, people density, LGBT friendly, nightlife, places to work from, freedom of speech. They had all of those kind of things. They also actually had walkability, which is something that Harry put as his list um, of things that he wanted from his next location. Um, It's also got some good 
quite clear things, I thought, when you're looking to move abroad. So it rates pros and cons. It tells you things like coffee places, um, if the drinking water is safe. Um, but again, use it as a jumping off point, not as gospel, because it's crowdsourced. And I think only 200 people had rated each location when I looked. Um, So before we sign off, um, every week I'm going to give the top three takeaways from the podcast. So if you don't listen to anything else, listen to this. So number one um, for deciding where, decide on your risk profile. Moving abroad is hard enough and there's no harm in settling for a recognized and established expat location such as Singapore, Dubai or Sydney. If, however, you want to conquer the unknown, give yourself a budget and a time limit to try it out. Number two, it's easy to get overwhelmed by trying to make a decision as big as where do I want to live. My suggestion is don't overthink it. Use the wish list that we created today um, and add what springs to mind. Um, And number three, you can never be 100% sure of what your experience will be like until you get there. Um, So combine the data, use your own gut instinct, and that'll give you a good idea. And once you've done that, just go for it. I'm a really big believer in just going for it. So that's everything from this week's episode. Thanks for listening and I hope you found it useful. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you're listening and get in touch with your questions and comments. Yourfirstjobabroad at gmail.com is our email. Yourfirstjobabroad at gmail.com. Next week, we're talking about easy routes to grow global careers. So we'll be looking at different ways you can get your first job abroad, whether it's negotiating the conversation with your existing employer, which places you can actually go and just apply when you get there, because of course you can't go everywhere, you need a a visa, and jobs that pay you to travel, both are typical and surprising. Thanks.